I'm standing on the ground where our future entrance will be to our care center and we are so excited. This has been a really fun week. Just imagine a child walking to the doors of our care center, a foster child, a kid that has some real needs, and then being able to get clothing that they love that's going to be an encouragement and a real practical help to them in some of their most challenging days. This project is all about serving others in need. And there are a lot of kids in our community that are living in at-risk situations. And when this happens, Child Protective Services have to step in and remove those kids. And this is always hard. Kids feel confused and alone. And when they're removed, they only have opportunity to take one set of clothing with them. And that's why we're dreaming of the day when we're able to open our doors to foster kids to help them in some of the most discouraging days. You is no one like our God. There is no one like our God. I'm just really excited to see even that first child come in through the doors and just to be able to provide them with a time where they feel valued and loved. The Care Center is just the beginning of a new chapter here at Brookside. We've never done anything like this before. And I'm excited to see where God will lead us on this uh, venture as we continue to make an impact on our city. Matthew 25 is a really cool verse for us here at the Care Center. I personally am motivated by the ending part where Jesus is talking about when you're doing it for the least of them, you're doing it for me. It's actually buried out in the foundation. So every time a family comes in, they'll walk right over that verse. And that's a powerful reminder to us why we exist. It's been fun and exciting to see how the church staff, the volunteers, and the members of our, our church have all come together to open up this care center. And it just reflects the DNA of our church as well as the culture and, and another way that we'll show how we can make an impact on our city. over 90 people that are volunteering to be a part of this care center. I love how Brookside's getting behind this to make this care center run. We're really proud of our directors, Ryan, Brandy, and Steve. In fact, they're carrying so much responsibility that we're calling them volunteer staff. The care center for me is amazing because it's the product of many people coming together within the church to do all sorts of jobs and just to have one focus in mind, which is for the kids. The boards were really cool to me from the beginning because we did an elder meeting in here and the boards that we had just gotten done signing as a church were up on the walls. And I happened to look over at one and I saw one of the kids, his names that I had been with at camp for years. And I think right then it just hit that, wow, we really need to make sure this is seen. Greater things are yet to come, and greater things are still to be done in this.
to this point of being able to dedicate and uh, really launch into this care center. Uh, it's been such a journey that we really thank God for. You know, God has taken us uh, such a long way to get us to today. But we also want to say not only thank you to God this morning, we want to thank so many of you because so many of you have done such sacrificial things and God has used you and God has used your life to get us to this place this morning. Um, you know, you might ask the question, particularly even if you're maybe a little bit newer to Brookside, why build a care center? Why go to so much, uh, really sacrifice individually, but also then collectively as a church? And for us, the answer to that question, it really boils down to this. It boils down to us wanting to be a church that we really align with the things that break the heart of God. So where God's heart breaks, that's where we want to lean in. The things that God, that Jesus Christ cares the most about, that's where we really want to be. And so that's why we're doing this care center. You know, you, you saw that verse from Matthew chapter 25. Jesus said those words. And those words are so powerful. He said, truly I tell you, whatever you do for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. And we know this morning and we just celebrate the fact that our good God cares deeply for those who are in need. He cares deeply for the marginalized. He cares deeply for those who are forgotten. And so we also feel like as a church that God not, not only just kind of encourages us, we feel like much further than that, God calls us as a church to engage and to stand up and to say, how can we be helpful how can we live for the city and for our world? You know, we've got this whole next generation group of kids in our city. There's over 3,000 of them that fall into this category. And we know they need an extra boost. And so that directs us as a church. But this morning, we also want to do this. We also want to just really celebrate and show our gratitude for the many foster parents. Because we know this. These foster parents, day in and day out, they do the heroic task of doing that job each day of caring for kids and expressing the love of God to them. And so right now what I want you to do is just turn your attention to the screens. And I want you to hear the stories of two of those real life heroes that are from right here in our church. So yeah, take a look. So we decided to start doing foster care goodness, about three, four years ago. It really stemmed from when I was a child, my mom did foster care. And so I had a lot of foster brothers and sisters that came in and out of the house. And my wife, she's actually adopted. And so we both kind of had a, a heart to help take care of kids that are underprivileged or who really just need a place to stay for a while. And so we started taking foster care classes and uh, sooner or later became foster parents. Matt and I have three biological children. We are foster parents to two kids, and then we have our daughter, Emmy, that we've just become legal guardians for. I went into foster care wanting to adopt all the children <laughs> because how can you, like, how can you have them in your house and then either reunify or not because then they go to adoption. How do you not adopt them? That was something I couldn't understand. And through uh, the foster care classes, God really spoke to me and said, Natasha, you're not going to be adopting from foster care. I said, okay, I'm not adopting from foster care. <laughs> then out of the blue, one of my wife's old small group kids called us up and said, hey, I, I wanna go do this camping thing and I can't take my baby. Would you watch it for the weekend? 
her mom messaged me on Facebook and said, Tasha, I just really need you. I need you to come up and pray with me. And so I did, and that was the first time I'd ever held Emmy was when she was completely drugged and in the hospital with a feeding tube down her nose, um, not even capable of waking up because she was under so much medication. And I got to hold her and I just prayed over her. And it was the first time I ever cried over her was in the hospital bed, but she knew she could call on me. And then after Emmy was dismissed from the hospital for the month and a half before she came to live with us, uh, there was two other times that she asked us to take her for a weekend because she just needed a break. It just took her being very, very brave and very concerned for her daughter to ask us to take her for a weekend and then to recognize that she could not continue the level of care that needed to be continued. Sometimes they want their child so much that they have to let someone else raise it to give it the best chance at, at life. And that's what her mom chose, was to give her the best chance at life by leaving her with a family who could love her, give her a mom and a dad, give her siblings, give her a dog, give her life experiences and a chance at a healthy life. My wife and I have really kind of fallen in love with, with her. When we had finally told God, you know what, we're never gonna do this, and we finally accepted what we thought his plan was, he was like, here you go, have a new baby. So with having our three biological children, being foster parents to two, and then with Emmy, we're just this big, beautiful, blended family. God picked that family for us. God picked those kids for us, and he picked our family for those kids. To me, I just think, when do the kids need you, right? And for us, it was right now. So I'm just super humbled that he chose that for us. I love that Brookside has such a heart for kids in need. A couple years before we got our two foster kiddos, she went to school at Castellar and she got a coat from Brookside's work with Castellar and providing coats for those guys. To then come to our church and see how much the church loves the whole foster care community. We couldn't do foster care without them. It's not just the people, it's how Brookside has just established this relationship with our community and this heart for kiddos in need. And these kids need dignity and they need hope and they need to know that they're loved so much that a church can come alongside them. But also as a foster parent, to know that a church loves us in the trenches so much that they've worked so hard to develop a building and a clothing center for us to bring our kids. So to have the care center and to know that it's open and available it's beyond precious. It's what a church should be doing, and Brookside has listened to God's calling and has done that. So as I went to the team meetings that they had for volunteers, not sure if I could find time to volunteer in my schedule, and something that they needed was someone who was maybe a stay-at-home mom who couldn't make it into the care center to volunteer. Well, <laughs> I was thinking, okay, so I've got these six kids and I homeschool and I've got to try and figure out a way to volunteer because this thing is so cool. I can't let that opportunity pass me by. So I stepped up and said, I know that I can take a little bit of time away from this or that within my day that I use for me and use it for something greater, something bigger. And that's the care center. Yeah, you bet. Whatever.
What a beautiful story. Pass the tissue, huh? Yeah, no kidding. Well, at this time, what I would like to do is just to invite all of our families who um, are currently uh, fostering children or have in the past, or any family that you would, you, it'd be true of you that you're a safe family right now, one of our safe families, or you have been in the past, or if you've ever adopted a child. I'd love for that whole entire group, those three categories, to stand right now. So yeah, please stand up. We want to honor you here this morning. So if you've ever adopted a child, if you're currently fostering a child, or if you ever have before, or if you're one of our safe families, yeah. We just want to say to you this morning, um, we think that you are so smiled on by God. And we know that what you do is oftentimes it is an uphill battle. It really is. It's not, a, not an easy task. And so we just want you to hear from your church this morning um, that the smile of God is on you. And uh, we're proud of you. And we thank God for you. So church, would you help me? And let's show our appreciation to this group. Awesome. They really are. They're changing lives, aren't they? You know, one parent at a time, one moment at a time. And, uh, and that changes the next generation, and the next generation can change the world. And so we, we celebrate you. We thank God uh, for you. At this time, I want to invite up Natasha and Matt and Emmy and their entire family, who you just saw in the video. So let's welcome them to the stage. <clears throat> hey, guys. Hey, thank you for sharing your story with us this morning, but no thank you for making us all cry like little babies. Um, yeah, I know, yeah. Hey, um, we do though, we wanna say to you um, that we are so proud of you and we really thank God for you, Matt and Natasha. You guys are inspirations to our church and you're, you're living the gospel every day. And uh, I remember coming into the parking lot and I happened to pull in next to Natasha. This is a couple months ago. And, and uh, I, we got to talking, and I noticed uh, that there was a, a new little baby in the back seat. And uh, so then Natasha said to me, she said, well, do you, do you recognize the baby? And I have a hard time sometimes remembering the year of my own children's birthdays. And so I was, I was stumped, you know. And, and then she said to me, she said, do you remember Sammy? I said, oh, yeah, of course I remember Sammy. She's a kid that we had through youth ministry and loves Sammy to this day. And and, uh, and she said, this is Sammy's little girl. And, uh, and she told me the story that you just heard. And, and I just said to her then, I said, I said, wow. I said, thank you. And they had just, they heard the news. And, you know, as soon as they could, they, they took over and, and became as helpful as they possibly could. And I said to her, I said, Natasha, thank you. Um, thank you for being an example and so quickly expressing your love for this kid. And uh, she said to me, and I'll, just, I'll never forget this, I don't think. She said to me with joy, she said, well, what else would we do? And uh, I knew what was behind that. She's got some kick. I like that. But I knew what was behind that because for Matt and Natasha, they have experienced the love and the grace of Jesus Christ. And as a result, what are they doing? They're turning around and they're saying, God, you've called us to give that to other people, however that looks like for us. And so we want you to know this morning, yeah, we applaud you. And... Um, I felt a nudge from God that day too, and it was this, every time that I would see Emmy in this church, that Natasha and I, or Matt and I, that we would kind of find a spot and we would just pray over her, and we would pray big prayers for her. And so this morning, what I would like to do, because Emmy represents 
all these kids that we will see come through this care center. It comes down to individual lives. And so would you stand with me now, and uh, we're going to dedicate and pray for Emmy. Emmy, are you not happy about this? There we go. There's a smile. Hey, church, would you do this? Would you extend your hand just as a way of saying, God, we want to really extend a blessing. Very physically, we want to say, Lord, would you pour out your blessing on this family and this child? So, yeah, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning. Father, thank you for this precious little girl. God, thank you for how you have protected her, you have led her, you have guided her. Father, thank you for how you've surrounded her with such a good family on this stage. Father, we pray that you would protect Matt and Natasha. God, we pray that their marriage would continue to thrive and that you would bless their family. And Lord, we pray that you would do what only you could do, and that would be, God, would you pour out a blessing that is so big on them that it fills in the gaps of their needs. And then, Father, we pray for every child that Emmy represents. And Lord, we pray that you would write such a beautiful story with their lives. We pray for Emmy that one day people would look back and they would say of Emmy, she was the one that led me to Christ. God, you did such a great work in her life that hundreds, maybe even thousands of people would point to her and say, God, you did a good work in her and it, as a result, it touched my life. And so, Father, we pray that for her and for all the children that she represents. Lord, we commit this beautiful family to you. And all of God's people said, amen, amen. Awesome. You did great. We're going to end our service today with uh, an official ribbon cutting and dedication for our care center. Um, But before we do that, right now what I want to do is I want to share a passage of scripture with you that I think is really fitting for where we're going this morning. And it's one of those passages of scripture. It's actually from the Old Testament book of Joshua. We're going to be in chapter 4 this morning. And it's one of those passages that, and topics that it really intersects with everybody's life. I think you're going to um, find it uh, to be meaningful. I know I have in my own life. But let me begin this way. Let me begin with a question. Here it is. Have you ever had a milestone moment? Have you ever had a time in your life, maybe a significant event or maybe even a significant season of life, something that caused you to look at this event or this circumstance or whatever, and you said, whoa, that marks me. That's a milestone moment for me, something you wouldn't forget. Maybe for you, it was your wedding day or the birth of a child, or maybe the day that you you remember this, maybe driving in your first car that you ever owned or playing in your first game. Maybe for you, it's the day that you, you bought your first house or you finally graduated. Or maybe for you, it's the day that you got serious about Jesus Christ and following him. I remember vividly that day when God had been pursuing me, and I remember the day when I finally decided, wow, I need to pursue this good God. I remember that vividly. It's a milestone moment. Maybe for you it's the day that you got baptized, or maybe it was the day that you'd been investing in a friend of yours, and and that friend you saw, they began to take some steps toward God. A milestone moment for you. What's true about a milestone moment is this, is that they stick with us, don't they? Oftentimes when I think about milestone moments, if I don't have a picture of it that day or that moment, I wish I did. But honestly, it's, sometimes it's not that important because you've got a picture maybe even just locked away in your mind because these moments, they're defining for us. I got to go deer hunting this uh, last Monday and I was reminded while being out there of my first deer hunting experience because it was a milestone moment for me. 
Here's what happened. We'd gotten up before the sun came out, and, and it was freezing cold. I was beginning to wonder why we were sitting there shivering. And, and then, the, you know, the sun finally came up, and sure enough, a couple hours into it, here comes this big deer that uh, was within range. And so my friend, Michael, he said to me, he started to take me through the steps of, of how we would do this because I had never shot a rifle before which if you ever go hunting, just free info here, you should shoot a rifle before you go hunting. Um, so anyway, he sees this deer, and my adrenaline now is pumping, and, and so is his, and I'm behind the gun. But honestly, I could not see the deer that he kept describing to me. And I would look through the scope, and I just couldn't see it. And then he'd get behind the gun, and there it was. It was fine. And so I get behind the gun, and I'm, I'm, I'm creeping up on the scope, getting closer and closer to my face with it because I'm hoping that I'll be able to finally see it. And so I kept creeping up and creeping up, and finally, because I felt like at least I need to see some part of this animal before I pull this trigger, right? So finally, I got so close to it that my face was touching the scope. And then I pulled the trigger. You know where this is going. And that rifle did what all rifles do. It lurched back, and when it lurched back, it popped me right between the eyes so badly that I was very stunned. I really thought that I had been shot myself. I thought, wow, maybe there's like a dear guardian angel up in heaven shooting me, right? Blood was all over the place. And so Michael, he kept saying to me very patiently, hey, you got to take another shot. He said, take another shot. It's still there. Kind of like, I can't believe it is. But bro, it's your day. Take another shot. And then he said, we'll deal with your face later. And I'm like, thanks a lot, man. So I got behind the gun again. But this time, I didn't do it the same. I had had my milestone moment. I got so far behind that scope, I could barely reach the trigger of the gun. And, and finally, I pulled the trigger and got the deer. And then we went to the hospital and got stitched up. But... Here's the thing, that was a milestone moment for me. It changed how I will shoot a gun forever. Today in Joshua chapter 4, we're going to see a milestone moment. In Joshua chapter 4, we're going to see a moment that the people of God would never want to forget. And even more importantly, in Joshua 4, we're going to see a moment that God would never want his people to forget. That God would want for them to keep this one central in their minds. He wanted it not to become a distant memory for them, but something that they would always be able to go back to. Let me ask you, do you agree with me on this? Do you agree that it can be very easy sometimes to forget where we've come from and how we got there? Do you agree that sometimes we can just get going through life so fast that we can forget where we've come from and who and how we got there? Let's turn with me now, Joshua chapter 4. I want to read to you this first sentence, for, and then I want to kind of unpack it a little bit for you. This first sentence is so important, and really everything behind it. So I want, to, I want to read it to you, and then I want to take you back and talk about the context of everything that leads up to Joshua chapter 4, verse 1. It says this, it says, when the whole nation, big deal, had uh, finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua. Now, before we can go into anything that the Lord said to Joshua, we have to take a time out and we have to understand the significance of this moment. We've got to understand what did it mean that the whole nation had just crossed the Jordan because there's so much that led up to that moment that made that moment a big, big deal. This was no small thing. And so I want to just kind of fly a little bit high here 
But I want to track back a little bit and talk to you about some of the moments that led up to Joshua chapter 4, verse 1. So if you look, you know, look in the scriptures, the Bible is very clear on this. It's a beautiful picture that God created this world. He created it as a beautiful place designed by him, wonderful. But in our humanity, our humanity fell into sin and it corrupted God's good design. But yet, God did not abandon his people in that. And their wrong and in their disobedience to him and them giving God the hand. God did not abandon his people, but he stayed with them. And we see this in, jo- or in Genesis chapter 12 that God calls this guy Abram, who would later be called Abraham. And he says that he, that's God talking to him. He says, Abraham, I'm going to bless all the peoples of the earth through you. Genesis 12. And out of you and out of your descendants, I'm going to raise up a people. They're going to be a great nation. And there's going to be a day when those people, that great nation, they're going to get to this place called the promised land. And you read through the Old Testament and you see that the, the promised land is a really big idea in the Old Testament. And so from the earliest pages of scriptures, we see this, that there was this people group from the descendant of Abraham that they were looking forward to. And we're not talking about for a month or for a couple of months or for a couple of years. We're talking about decade after decade after decade. They were looking forward to this thing called the promised land. You fast forward in their history in the Old Testament books like Exodus and Numbers, we find that there were those some very significant roadblocks, some very significant setbacks that got in the way of them going to this promised land. The Israelites were enslaved by the Egyptians. We see this though, then God miraculously delivers them from that enslavement. It was a huge deal. But it didn't take long for them to go back to their nature and for them to become disobedient to God and they're complaining and they really acted like cowards in a lot of ways. And ultimately we see that because of their lack of faith in God, it delays their entry into this promised land by a whole generation. And so for 40 years they wander in the wilderness. Think about this, centuries of slavery. 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. And it's all behind this first statement in Joshua chapter 4, verse 1. All of that leads up to it. So you can imagine the pent-up excitement. You can imagine this is a day of huge proportions of celebration. This is a day that they've been longing for. We're going to cross over. We're actually going to enter the promised land. They've been waiting for centuries. Now imagine this. While they've been wandering in the, de- in the wilderness, God's provided for them food. It was called manna. It's bread from heaven. It, the, the word manna literally means this. What is it? And it wasn't good, likely. And they had it again and again and again. And so you can just imagine, though, they've been promised that they're going to go to this land that's going to be different. It's going to be the land flowing of milk and honey. I mean, I, I would think they crossed that, that Jordan, and if I were them, I would have been running, looking behind trees, like, where's the honey? Over the crest of the hill, let's find that milk. I mean, they were excited. But right about that time that they crossed that Jordan River, God said, time out. It's because God wanted them to know this is a sacred moment. This is a moment that you can't miss. This is a moment that you have to capture. And so that's what we see in Joshua chapter 4. Look with me again at verse 1. It says this, and we'll continue on through the passage. When the whole nation, and know this, the whole nation, this is a lot of people. Just counting the men alone, we're talking over 600,000 just adult men. 
So all of Omaha and then some, they've crossed the Jordan River. They've finished crossing the Jordan River. The Lord said to Joshua, choose 12 men from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up 12 stones. So imagine that happening. Tell them to pick up 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priests are standing, and carry them over with you and put them down at the place where you stay tonight. So Joshua called together the 12 men that he had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe. And he said to them, go over before the ark of the Lord. And the ark of the Lord was just, you could think of it as this, it was the place where the presence and the power of God dwelt. So go over to that, the ark of the Lord your God, and into the middle of the Jordan, and each of you should take up a stone on his shoulder. Imagine that. I mean, a huge moment. According to the number of tribes of the Israelites, to serve as a sign among you. I want this to serve as a sign. These aren't just stones you're picking up. He was saying, no, you take the leaders. All these people, they've got 12 leaders. You take the, those leaders. I want them to grab a stone, not just from any place, from the middle of the Jordan, because that's going to be significant. The date was significant. And I want you to take those to a certain place because milestones are important. And because when they had these milestones, it would lead them to a place where they would remember some significant things that God did not want them to forget. Milestones carry such big meaning. For Christine and I's 10th anniversary, we set a goal to run the Twin Cities Marathon. I wish we'd set a goal to have gone to the Bahamas or something fun, but <laughs> anyway. But like any run like that, each mile, you could say this, each mile, each mile marker has a lot of meaning. Some more than others, right? You get to mile three, it don't mean much. But when you get to mile marker 18, 19, 20, those are big mile markers because everything that you've read and all the people that you've talked to, they say, well, you get to 18, 19, 20, be careful because that's when most runners, that's when they, they bail out because they hit the dreaded wall. And so when you get to 18, 19, and 20, you just tell yourself, just keep going. But then you come up on another mile marker. Again, mile markers have big meaning. You come up to a mile marker like 24. What 24 means is this, you're almost there. You're going to make it. And so whatever's in the tank, go ahead and spend it now. We see throughout the scriptures at different points that God with his people says, I want you to build a memorial. I want you to have a mile marker. I want you to have a milestone where it's going to remind you of some very specific things. It's going to remind you, I've been faithful to you, Israelites. I provided for you all along. I want you to have a mile marker that's going to remind you that it was me who carried you. I want you to have a mile marker so that when you look back, you'll be propelled, you'll be compelled to courageously move forward because you remembered what I have done. Some of you are thinking right now of some mile markers or milestones in your life where you would say, because of that, God led me to here. It was on that day that this happened, and maybe even sometimes mile, mile markers, milestones, are, they're even tragedies in your life. But sometimes you look at them and you go, yeah, but God showed up in such a significant way. And I look back at that and God, you propel me forward. So then it says this in verse 6. It says, in the future when your children, now just imagine this. Imagine, you know, this child looks at their mom and says, mom, what are those stones for? Imagine this. Imagine a child looks at dad and says, hey, dad, were you a part of that? Dad, was grandpa one of the ones that grabbed those stones? In the future, when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Like, what's behind them? 
tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. And when it crossed the Jordan, the the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial uh, to the people of Israel forever. These stones aren't just stones. These stones are going to remind you that the Jordan River, this was at harvest time, that that river would have been raging. That God, what did he do? He stopped the flow of the Jordan River. This was a huge deal. Very, very significant. And so then it says this, uh, keeping going here. Verse yeah, 19, it says, On the tenth day of the first month, the people went up to the Jordan, and they camped at Gilgal on the eastern border of Jericho. And Joshua set up at Gilgal the twelve stones that they had taken out of the Jordan, And he said to the Israelites, in the future, when your descendants ask their parents, what do these stones mean? Tell them, Israel crossed the Jordan on dry land for the Lord your God. In other words, there was no one else behind this. This was a complete God thing. Have you ever had a moment in your life where you moved on too quickly? Like you saw the blessing of God, but then you quickly just moved on and you forgot about it. You did just, it just skipped your mind. Each summer, our family takes this annual uh, vacation uh, to uh, this uh, lake home my parents have. And, and at the end of our time there, we always go up into this treehouse that my dad built for, for our kids. And we get up there, and we're sitting down together, and then there's this one loose floorboard. And we pull up this floorboard, and there's a secret compartment underneath that where we keep this journal nice and tight in the Ziploc bag. And we pull out that journal each year, and we look back over one year, over two years, over the previous year, and we just read, what were the milestones? Because we don't want to forget. What were the things that God did? And then we go around after we've looked back several years, then we talk about it as a family, and we say, what about this year? What have we seen happen? What don't we want to forget? Now, here's what happens. Every single year, this happens to me. I always have this moment where as we're looking back, I say something like this, I forgot about that. Oh, I can't believe I forgot that. Wow, God, you you did that? You carried us, whoa. And it's a reminder to me. The Lord wanted these people to know, I have been with you. And so it says, for the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you until they had crossed it. And then the Lord your God did to the Jordan what he had done to the Red Sea again. He's taking them back. It's not just the Jordan River. We're talking about something even better that God did. God dried up the Red Sea. And when he had dried it up before us until we had crossed over, verse 24, he did this so that all the peoples of the earth might know And that's you and I, all the peoples of the earth. That comes to you. That comes to me. Here it is, that we might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful, that God is is not weak, but he is mighty. And so so that you might always, here it is, fear or revere the Lord your God. What an experience. I mean, imagine if your ancestors were telling you, hey, this is what happened, and, and, and you wouldn't have believed it, but, but God dried up the Red Sea, and, and then another story, and another, you know, mom talking to, to her daughter or her son and saying, you wouldn't believe this, but we crossed through the Jordan River. Like, God pent up all the water, and then we went to the middle, and they got the stones, and that's just a reminder that our God is powerful, that, that his hand is very, very, very strong. 
These milestones mean something. I want to leave you with three things, three things that I think we can pull out of this. The first one is this. A milestone reminds us. We see this in verse 24. And I think these people would have felt this. They would have seen this monument to the Lord, and it would have reminded them, number one, Lord, we need you. Lord, we need you. We were in bondage, and we were in slavery, and who was it that got us out of that place? Lord, it was you. Lord, you provided. Some of you have looked at cancer right in the face, and you've seen, maybe God hasn't cured you, but he's carried you through. Maybe you come here today, and you are brokenhearted, but you can look back, and you can say, you can look at a a memorial, you can look at a time in your life, a milestone, and you can say, God, you carried me through. And so these stones, they remind us, Lord, we need you. When we think about this care center, we know this. We say, God, there are over 3,000 kids in these two counties, Lord, that we're going to be able to serve right away. And Lord, we're just saying to you, Lord, we need you. Because Lord, we don't, we're not interested in just providing clothing. God, we want that small blessing to lead to a greater blessing of people coming to know you. And so, Lord, we petition you, Lord, we need you. One of our staff values, we have six of them. And one of them is bold dependence. And we, we, we go back to that again and again because we want to be reminded as church leaders that we want to be doing such good things and we want to be pushing ourselves to be trying to do such big things that if God doesn't come through, we'll fail. Like we'll notice if God doesn't come through. We're saying, God, we need you. Number two, I think milestones do this. They remind us to give thanks. They remind us to give thanks. On a day like today, we hit the pause button and we go back, I think, as a church, clear to the beginning, and we express our incredible gratitude to God for Steve and Becky Maltimar. We thank God for them. We thank God that, that God brought them to Omaha, that God surrounded them by a, a group of courageous people who were willing to build this church over the course of 35 years. We thank God for that. We give thanks to where we are currently. Church, it is no small thing that we're in this place today, and we are going to be having this privilege of caring for kids that have needs. I mean, that is no small thing. What this care center is going to provide for these kids, it's an absolute privilege for us to be a part of it. Again, what breaks the heart of God? Well, this is one of them. And so for us to be able to say, thank you, God, we want to be right where you are. So we give thanks I also want to say thank you to so many of you. So many of you, you have given sacrificially to make this happen. And I hope that when you walk by that care center every week, that you sense the smile of God on your sacrifices. I love hearing all the stories. There's a gal that owns a hair salon, and and so she just kind of recruits the people, her clients that come in, and what have they been doing? They've been gathering clothes for the care center. I think of different families that have been volunteering. One family was in there. They noticed that the, the, the clothing rack for the coats was a little bit slim, and so they came back with five bags of brand new coats. You know why? It's because they believe in that, and they're saying, God, you've been so good to us. Let us express that back to you. People have rallied their neighbors. Kids have changed their plans for their birthdays and said, God, we want to contribute. We want to be a part of what you're doing. We thank God. We thank God that 14 years ago, Mark Thingball launched this thing called Royal Family Kids Camp in which so, in so many ways, it has served as a catalyst 
for our hearts to be shaped and for our hearts to break for these kids in the foster care system. So we thank God for that. We thank God for Camus up at Project Harmony. Church, it is no insignificant thing that we are in such close proximity to that great place. We thank God for that. And then I think of four more people very, who very intentionally we want to say thank you to this morning. One of them's on our staff team. That's John Alford. He heads up all of our local and our global impact efforts. He has poured his heart into this effort. And then we have three other people. And as John said in the video, we call these special people our volunteer staff. And we call them that because they shoulder such a significant level of responsibility. That's Steve Parliament and Brandy Geezer and Ryan Delgard. And these four and their families have done such an excellent job of leading this charge. And so I just want us to pause right now and just would you join me and let's just show our appreciation for each one of them. Yeah, it's huge. The third thing that milestones do, and I'll close with this one, it's this. Number three is this, that they allow us to move forward with courage. When you look back at a significant milestone in your life, it doesn't just leave you there and go, oh, that's no big deal. It propels you forward, doesn't it? You read through the scriptures, and we see these all over the place. Exodus 14, what does God do? Parts the Red Sea. Huge, huge milestone. It would have propelled them to follow God more diligently. 1 Kings 18, we see that Elijah's in the midst of all these uh, pagan idols, and and they're building altars to them. And so he has this water-soaked altar, and all of a sudden, out of heaven, God brings down this fire, and everybody in the place would have gone, Elijah's God is the one true God. And it would have propelled them to move forward with courage. We just finished the book of Acts. We saw milestone moments all over the place. God sending his spirit. God creating a new community. God changing people's character and their hearts from the inside and shaping people's lives. But by far the biggest milestone moment in the scriptures is the moment when we read about Jesus Christ, our king. And we read about how our God, if you're new to church, our God did not come as a ruling dictator, but he came as a humble servant. And the milestone that shapes all of us more than anything else is that humble servant in all humanity went to a cross and as God himself, he bore the penalty for your sin and for mine so that we could know him. And when he proved that he was God by coming back from the dead and that tomb being empty, we say this, that is a milestone moment. And what does it do? It compels us to move forward with courage. And so as a church, we say this, God, what do you have next for us? God, we want to lean in. We want to be where you are. So right now, I want you to do this. I want you to take your rock. You were wondering what these were for, weren't you? Take your rock. Got it there. Put it in your hand real quick here. As a church, this is a special day, and so we want you to take this home. Put it somewhere maybe where you'll see it. 11, 19, 17. It's the day when God, had broken, God has broke our hearts for a group of people that he loves dearly. And this is a day that we stand up and we say, God, thank you for building something so beautiful that will serve these children so well. But at the same time, I just think maybe for you, this date maybe means something different, even personally. 11, 19, 17. And so my prayer for you is this. Maybe today you would look at this rock and you would go, This actually, this date means something different for me. Maybe you're at a crossroads this morning and you've got a choice. Am I going to take the high road or am I not? 
in a decision that you need to make? Might it be a milestone moment for you? Some of you came in here this morning and you are literally brokenhearted. And my prayer for you this morning is that you would sense the gentle voice of God and you would sense him saying to you, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. You can trust me. I'm a good, good God. For you this morning, maybe this means this. Maybe this is a milestone moment for you where you say, you know what, I'm going to extend a second chance to someone who I don't think deserves it. Maybe for you, it's the opportunity this morning where you finally decide, you realize, God, you've been pursuing me. It's no accident that I am where I am. And so 11, 19, 17, it means that this is my day of decision. This is the day when I turn my life over to you. That might be you today. You've never met the God that loves you. And maybe today, this date means that for you. And so I just want to close this way and just let's ask Lord, Lord, together. Lord, would you lead us? Lord, what's the milestone moment that you would have for us? So yeah, pray with me now. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your scriptures. We thank you, Lord, that this morning we get to remember this significant day in the life of our church, Lord. Father, thank you for that. And Lord, we just create a moment of space here just to say, God, what other milestone moment do you want us to have? Because you're not distant, you're close, you speak, you move. You're a real God, you're alive and well. And so, Father, might you capture our hearts, Lord, if there's a moment that this date represents for us here today. Lord, we love you, and we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Well, I want you to go ahead now and just take a look at the screens, and we're going to join Rob out in the back hallway. So, yeah, Rob. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks, Jeff. Uh, we are, I'm out here, right out here in the back hallway. Um, and today we get to dedicate this care center. Um, we're going to signify uh, the opening day, uh, which is tomorrow, but you all won't be here tomorrow, so we're going to do it today. But opening day with a, a cutting of a, of a ribbon, um, really just the beginning of what we hope and pray to be an amazing, amazing thing, not only for Brookside, but for the entire city of Omaha. So I'm going to walk this way. Um, hopefully you've all each gotten to peer through the window of the care center and see everything in there. Um, later, actually, the doors will be open uh, after service, and you can walk through and see the care center and, and that kind of thing. Take a look. But as you look into the window, you see all the clothes and the design and the volunteers, and you see the vision even. Uh, and it sounds a little bit cheesy, but it's all done by love. All those things were all put there by love. Love for God and love for those who, who need uh, to experience the love of God also. So um, it's a cool place. We are so excited. And so we want to pray and we want to ask God um, just to do an incredible thing. I'm standing here with um, a team of people who have helped um, execute and dream up the care center here uh, at Brookside. And so I'm going to ask John Alford uh, to pray a prayer of dedication for us, and then we'll, and then we'll cut the ribbon signifying the, the opening of it. Here you go, John. All right. Thanks, Rob. And, you know, this is a, such an exciting day. And I just want to say this is your care center. You have prayed for it. You've given toward it. You've sacrificed. This is a fun, fun moment for all of us. So um, join me in prayer. Let's pray. Father, today we are standing uh, right by the care center in a place that we have longed for the day when we might be able to open. And God, we believe that you've led us to this point and you're going to carry it on. And Father, we, um, we long for the day when foster families 
will walk through this and find encouragement and hope and blessing, God. We believe that you're leading us to do this work of compassion. And God, we pray this would be the start of something big. And God, we, um, we would ask that you would make this a stake in the ground for us as a church. That we would be a church that cares for kids in need and increasing measure love those in our community that have needs. And God, right now, we just want to offer this to you as a sacrifice, God. It's your care center. And God, we want to honor the name of Jesus, the powerful, beautiful, strong name of Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen and amen. Amen. Well, let's, let's do this. Let's make it official. Um, so I'm going to count down from three. I'll say three, two, one, cut. You guys will cut on, on, on cut. Does that make sense? Is that confusing enough, everybody? Okay. All right. Uh, congregation, you're in there. Count down with me, okay? Here we go. And three, two, one, cut. We are open. We are open. Come on, a round of applause in there, everybody. That is just awesome. So good. So good. Well, we're so excited. Uh, just think, tomorrow, maybe, uh, we could have people walking through the care center, uh, open for business, open for compassion. Oh, we're so excited, so excited. All right, uh, I'm going to let you all go. Uh, have a wonderful, wonderful week. Uh, happy Thanksgiving. We'll see you next week. All right, bye, everybody.